Hello, I'm Bishop Shane Parker, and this is ADO on the Move for July 11th, 2020. The Diocese of Ottawa is extensively involved in ministries of outreach and service in the communities that we serve. This week I spoke with people who were involved in ministering through our community ministries in Ottawa and Cornwall. And I pick up a conversation at this point with Rachel Robinson at Centre 454 on King Edward Street in downtown Ottawa. I'm here in the courtyard of Centre 454 with Rachel Robinson. And Rachel, just as the pandemic struck, you took on some responsibility for Centre 454 in addition to the well and St. Luke's table on Somerset Street. So it's good to see you here, Rachel. Thank you. It's nice to see you here as well. Yeah, yeah it's great to see you. Tell me a little bit about what's been happening in the day programs since the pandemic started. Well, where do I start? One thing I would say is it's been incredibly intense in the day programs because we've actually had to upend our programs. We've had to completely reinvent the way we deliver our services to people and the way we connect with people because the essence of the day program is gathering Gathering and congregating inside a space. That's the foundation of the day program, social connection for people Um, and so of course we weren't able to do that so we really really pivoted quickly I mean I'm amazed at how we were able to do it from going to serving food inside the programs connecting with people inside the programs to over the space probably about 10 days um, hiring two minivans packaging up lunches for people and delivering food to people and we have been actually delivering food um, to, to approximately 300 people a day in in the three neighbourhoods that the programme serves so Centertown, Sand, uh, Sandy Hill and Somerset West um, and those food bags have contained a day's worth of food so breakfast stuff to make a breakfast, lunch and even a frozen meal for people a substantial meal for, for people so we believe it or not and even as I say this I can barely believe it but we've actually been producing about 4,000 meals a week so it's been amazing so um, we've been doing that sort of very practical basic needs food security for people we've also as importantly trying to stay connected to people so um, again how can we stay connected to people when they're not allowed to be inside the centre so we again brilliantly uh, were able to get a donation um, from uh, a big a big telecoms company of um, a hundred cell phones okay. that we distributed to people that didn't have phones Great. so that we could take a note of their number and they could call us and they could be connected on Facebook our Facebook and social media has taken off since the pandemic because it's a way of people staying connected um, 
Rachel, the, the people that you're bringing meals to, they have a residence for the most part then, or a room in a rooming house or, or something, they, they have the some form of house. That's right, the majority yeah. do, the majority do, but uh, I would say probably 80% of them do. Of course, you know the rooming houses, people don't have adequate kitchen yeah. facilities, so if they have at least a microwave so if they've got a frozen meal they can they can heat something up um, that we also the other big uh, very valuable program that we that we've just started since the pandemic is street outreach so going around walking around the neighborhoods to social support workers and giving people food who may actually be sleeping outside they may be um, they may be homeless you know unsheltered homeless so um, in the city, there's about 90 people on any one given night that would be sleeping outside. So, and many of them are in our neighbourhoods that we serve. Um, so, we've been doing a mix of a mix of people. Most of the people will have a rooming house at, at, the, at, uh, at least a rooming house, and some people do live in. Uh, some of the more stable people, particularly some of the women that come into the well, would have their own apartments. Some we'd be, we'd uh, probably offer a community housing or you know uh, public housing. Um, there was this idea at the beginning of the pandemic that it, we're all in the same boat and it affects everyone equally, but we're, we're not actually, yes. we're really not in the same no. boat. We're in the same storm, but we're not, you know, in the same boat. we're yes. not in the same boat. And it, it has impacted people far more who are living in poverty and don't have resources yes. and don't have families and live on their own. The isolation has been unbearable for people. So being able to talk to them on the phone, check in with them, just a friendly voice that's that's as valuable in many ways as the practical for, for sure the human connection as you say and i think we know that not only does it affect people the the, the social circumstances the connecting uh, affects people who are living on the margins we also know that the disease itself spreads disproportionately in areas where there are there isn't socioeconomic advantage absolutely to yeah it, it, totally and i mean you know we know there's these the these social determinants of, of ill health and, and health and one of the things we we try to do is um give people really nutritious food actually mm -hmm. and and the whole thing of loneliness is we know we know there's you know we know it's there's evidence that it's bad for one's health to yes. be lonely um and isolation is bad for one's health um so no we, matter how much wealth you have exactly or not loneliness it, is it, it, is it damaging we're yeah. not meant to be alone it's damaging to health there's more and more evidence around that and so just keeping connected talking to somebody a friendly voice um and um the street outreach do that of course um just saying hello how are you doing and and now people are getting used to they're, they're expecting um they wait for the outreach yes. workers. They they can't wait to see it's a, them. A form of hope, almost. It, someone's going to connect with me it's today. It's a form of hope, and they call them. They call them the street angels. Oh, that they say called? the street angels are here, and it's just wonderful. It's so. I mean, you know, I can't. It's hard to say good has come out of any global pandemic, but I mean, this, the way the staff have responded. There, there's goodness in how we reach out and care for one another. I mean, that is profoundly good, even though the situation yeah, is, is, yes, is very yeah. high. The way yeah. the staff have responded and their dedication yes. to and, and deep sort of like concern, commitment to the people that we serve is really quite moving. It really is moving. It's just, yeah. It's, in, it's inspirational, it really is.
Well, Rachel, thank you for your inspirational ministry. And uh, please extend my thanks and that of the diocese to your staff and those few volunteers who were able to come because you, you are the, the face of our diocesan church uh, to those who, who need the love. Uh, the love of God at this time, and we all do. So thank you so much, Rachel. Thank and I think you. Mohammed is uh, yeah, cutting the grass around the grass. Yes, so we better get out of his way yes, in case yes, we get yes, mowed down yeah. here. Thanks Gardening's so much, Rachel. a great program. <laughs> Moving from Ottawa, I connected by telephone with Taylor Sagan in Cornwall to speak about a new community ministry of the diocese at Centre 105. So I'm on the phone with Taylor Sagan, who's the program coordinator at Centre 105 in Cornwall, uh, which is housed in Trinity Church, which was my first church, Taylor, when I was first ordained many years ago. Really? Small world. Small world. Taylor, tell me about 105. Tell the folks yeah, for sure. 105. So 105 is completely different right now than it was a year ago. I bet. Um, obviously, all of our uh, different agencies have adapted like crazy during this pandemic, uh, but we're thrilled that we're still able to be, uh, you know, offering our services to the community uh, because, as you know, uh, you know they're needed more than ever during during mm-hmm. this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic. So instead of uh, coming and having a sit down breakfast and reading the newspaper and watching TV, we, uh, we've we actually had to close our building. So we've mm-hmm. adapted by handing meals out of a window at our drop-in. Okay. So I've heard that a few other agencies are kind of doing the same thing, but uh, it's brand new for us. So it's been uh, it's definitely been a, a learning curve for mm-hmm. uh, not just our staff, but also for our uh, participants. Yes. As you can imagine, right? For sure. So you're offering your ministry... F- on site, so to speak, but people are coming to you to get meals and, and other things. Exactly. So to try and um, work around, uh, uh, you know, current health guidelines, we're able to place meals on a table that is located outside of our window mm-hmm. and uh, have uh, our folks come one at a time. We can help them out with a cup of coffee, uh, whatever meal we're serving that particular day. And uh, it's working really well. Oh, um, our participants... Uh, we've got a great relationship with our group that comes. They're being very respectful. Um, you know, they're yeah. uh, they're really helping make this an easy transition. A chance for a bit of conversation with folks along the way as well, Taylor? Exactly. So uh, as you know, and as I'm sure is uh, the same in all of the Ottawa locations, uh, people are um, going through a rough time, mm-hmm. right? This is really, really challenging. Mm-hmm. Never faced anything like this before, and it's scary. Yes. It's uh, scary. It's new. There's so many unknowns. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a lot of people, myself included, it's hard to navigate through the media right now. Yes. It's hard to know what's going on. So uh, for sure, checking in with our folks whenever they come. Just a quick little, um, how are you doing today? Uh, check and see, you know, obviously people are not up to too much, but it's nice to hear what people are up to. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are struggling with their mental health right now. Uh, isolation is definitely the, uh, you know, one of the number one challenges that people are facing right now. And, and you guys are helping to break that down by having some contact as well as providing a meal and so on. Exactly. How many folks are, are coming to you, Taylor? So, great question. <laughs> it's been a zoo here lately. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we hit anywhere from 50 to 
two, the the biggest day we've had, or the largest day, was about 76, I believe. So we've got a, a sweet spot maybe in the 60s right now, right. would be our average. And and how many days during the week are you doing this, Taylor? So we're, uh, we're here every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. We uh, open at 8.30. We go right till noon. Um, obviously, there's some flexibility with that, and uh, we do have some people come earlier, and you know, it's nice to get a cup of coffee and to be outside and just to, you know, break up the day a little bit. Mm-hmm. And do you have uh, a number of volunteers working with you from the community to, to get things organized? Yeah. So usually we've got a, a very solid volunteer team here at Centre 105. But uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I, I actually canceled volunteers for the time being. Right. Um, just because with our current operation, uh, it's different. So um, we have two part-time staff. Uh, one cook and one support worker who are uh, working in the kitchen, packaging meals, uh, and I'm actually uh, at the window passing meals through and talking to uh, participants. So right now, our little team of three is uh, is getting the job done. Um, as as we continue forward, we might look to add some uh, volunteers. Yes. Um, just to kind of take the load off of us. Sure. Well, while staying within all the restrictions and everything else that are being placed. percent. Yeah. Well, Taylor, I'm really grateful to you for for telling me and telling folks across the diocese about what's been happening at Centre 105. And please extend um, my best wishes and thanks to your staff. And and, uh, and when you see the uh, folks coming to the window, you can say that you were talking to the bishop and, and he says to say hello to and uh, that I have fond memories of my days in Cornwall, uh, 30 30 plus years ago. No, that sounds fantastic for sure. They, uh, any little news like that is always, you know, appreciated. Spiritual well-being is at the heart of all of our ministries as a diocese. We pick up a conversation now with Canon Hilary Murray, who's the chaplain at Cornerstone Housing for Women. I'm here in the Wigsteed Room in Christchurch Cathedral, and socially distant from me is my good friend, Canon Hilary Murray, Hello. who is the um, canon pastor at the cathedral, and also the chaplain at Cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And Hilary, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what's been happening at Cornerstone as, as the pandemic has unfolded. Okay, well, it's a pleasure to be here with you, so thank you for this. Um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, when the, uh, things happened with uh, in March, um, when the pandemic hit, um, the spiritual care program, we had to make that decision, or I had to make that decision, to withdraw our face-to-face services. Um, I would say, on average, my my volunteer team are um, you know 65 and over <laughs> and so um, quite cognizant of the fact that they were in the vulnerable population as well as the focus for Cornerstone really needed to be on the hands-on crisis um, work with the residents and the staff and I think trying to run a regular spiritual care you know programming with you know quiet like prayer circles and stuff was not a priority at that time so so I made that decision to to stop those programs. But that being said, we didn't stop serving Cornerstone. Mm -hmm. Um, 
as the team, I think uh, out of this COVID time, the team has actually pulled even closer together because we've been we've been meeting. Uh, every week by Zoom, um, which was a new learning experience for everybody on Earth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and we triumphed through that. And uh, yeah, because even for the team themselves, I mean, many of them have been working with Cornerstone for a long, long, many years and have a strong sense of purpose in their work. And so taking that away, all of a sudden they felt lost. And then dealing with the, the crisis of what's happening in the world and even in their own personal lives. So, so we came together just initially just to kind of be able to check in with each other, uh, to pray together, um, as well as a big part of our prayer is to pray for the staff and the residents, uh, the women at Cornerstone. Um, and there was in our conversations there was this 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 need to find a way to how do we reach out and connect to 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 the women even though we can't be physically present with them and so it's like okay maybe we could send cards or that type of thing and so i said okay well you know again not knowing how cards and and you know in terms of contamination that type of thing even though we're safe um I decided, well, how, why don't we make like an inspirational page-long newsletter? Mm-hmm. And so we've been every week. <laughs> um, it's pretty much started, yeah, the, the second week, I think, in March. We've been uh, creating a newsletter um, with an inspiration, whether it's a poem or a scripture reading, something to give the women hope. And I send it in to the managers and then they distribute it. And the feedback that I've been getting has been great from the staff um, and also some of the residents that I've been able to talk to um, that I'm providing phone friendly phone visits with, uh, who like one staff person or or actually, sorry, one resident at Princeton House uh, said that she pins it up on the back of her door in her room to look at every morning because she's having a hard time dealing with COVID, but it helps give her hope. Um, so that's been really nice. So, so the, the form of contact has changed, but you've been able to still mm-hmm. have a pastoral presence and, and to provide spiritual nurture yeah throughout this time. yeah yeah and yeah it's been kind of yeah i mean it's very you have to be creative in times like this for sure and uh, i'm always surprised at what you know for every problem that we might face it's like oh as we come together as a team and we just problem solve it like just the ideas just keep coming up and we find ways around it um the other thing we've been enjoying is uh Um, when we come together, like we've now formalized uh, midday prayer for our team, that we actually start with midday prayer and we actually pray specifically for the women as well. So, so yeah. Ministry of intercession. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, thank you so much, Ken and Hillary, for for sharing uh, the story of how you've been able to continue to extend spiritual care in Cornerstone throughout this time. Thank you so much, and to your team as well. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. These pandemic days have reminded us all of how important it is to stay connected to one another, to keep in touch with one another, to stay in communion with one another, as God is in communion with us always through Christ Jesus. 
that brings to an end our podcast for this week. ADO on the Move is a production of the Anglican Diocese of Ottawa, with sound editing by Nicholas Piper, art music by Gordon Johnson, and technical assistance by Heidi Fawcett. May the gentle peace of Christ be with you and those you love on earth and in heaven. God bless and talk soon.